0: how are you so academic science based and talking about hypnosis and talking about the chakras? I'm like, well, I'm sorry. I just think we're, it's a more metaphysical, you know, like that's just how I see the world.
1: Jen, welcome to Pump Peach. So glad to love have you Love it. On. I love.
0: I love the name. I pumped my peach this morning.
1: <laughs> oh, glad to hear it. I have yet to do that, but I really should. So I'm so excited to have you on today, and I really like to ask my guests one cool intro question to break the ice. So my question for you is. What is your biggest flex? And oh, why?
0: my biggest flex. Yes. And take that in whatever yeah, way you want. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm thinking about business, I'm thinking about the body, I'm thinking about. My biggest flex is my astrology, I think. And that's because I've always listened to my intuition, intuition, and now that I've gotten deeper mm-hmm. down that like self-development, spiritual path and using astrology, it is such a such a flex. Like being able to use that stuff and being guided not by someone, not really by a coach, like I use a coach, but like really knowing what intuition is and how to access it I think that's the flex
1: oh I love that okay so now I have to ask what is your astrology well like? I am
0: a Aries rising and sun and a Libra yeah a Libra oh. moon and actually I have more dominant in Libra than I do Aries even though I have like three planets or three things in Aries. So I have a major aspect of balance because Aries and Libra are exact opposite. I've learned so much about myself. I mean, stuff that I already knew, but it's just been such a cool experience opening up to being more of a Libra and being more in like receiving energy and like using that power to be a good networker and using that energy to help alchemize with my clients and, you know, help them. And because before, like, I knew I had a strong Aries like signature, but mm-hmm. like, I wasn't aware of all the other pieces of the chart. Totally. So,
1: Aries, I, I absolutely <laughs> love, Um,
0: you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a so yeah, we're BFFs and... already. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Love the fire. My moon is Virgo. My rising is Leo. So I too have like you know that double fire, yeah, within the earth. But I actually am dominated mostly by Scorpio.
0: Awesome. so
1: it's, yeah, another another one. But if Libra, I don't really have, I think, you know, I only have my one Libra uh-huh. placement, but it's something I really admire because obviously, you guys are all about balance. I feel like the steady head, the one that see, kind of both sides, but it's like, not Gemini, I guess, but I feel like it's just like a very balanced decision making. Yeah.
0: Person.
1: And the one thing I kind of do that I try to work on, because I don't have that placement is I tend to be like super into things, super extreme about stuff. And I don't have as much, you know, of that balance. So it's something I admire. In people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it's interesting to, you know, learn about the elements and, you know, really, put it together as a self-development tool so you know just exactly what you said you're filling in the holes you know you mentioned it's like when you
1: know your strengths and weaknesses you can obviously lay into your strengths but then you can just work on those weaknesses which i feel like has been a really key component of this year hell yeah with all this time i've just been like all right what am i not good at Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) that's what yeah retweet yeah
1: (laughs) So speaking of your development and your business and how you're kind of intertwining this, I guess, holistic approach is—I feel like what I could call it—in terms of like your identity and um, linking that into your business. How how has your brand evolved from how it started in this, you know, fitness and wellness industry to how? you were having it now, what you're mentioning is a little bit different because you're opening up to these Mm -hmm. different avenues.
0: Um, Well, it hasn't changed that much. I'd say Um, I've been in business for 10 years and I found fitness, you know, I'm 38 and I, I knew back then when I found my business that, you know, I wanted to equalize like the playing field as far as like how we perceive fitness and how we develop that relationship with injury prevention, um, injuries in general, getting over injuries, and how we, I think it's like that development, that relationship of fitness to our body. So that hasn't changed. What has changed immensely for my brand is my self-belief, my confidence, my, maybe not confidence, it's, it's like the self-belief. It's being like, I know that this can work. Versus when I started it, I'm like, okay, this has to work. And I'm just gonna, you know, really put the work in and like do the reps, right. So I think the biggest thing that has changed, I think is investing, investing in the right things, uh, knowing when to say no, and that has evolved my brand more than anything is like, having the boundaries and having like a really strong foundation in my beliefs and what I want to do, what how I want to change the world. Like I knew back then, so let's say I started my business officially in early 2009. I knew where I wanted to leave my mark and I did it. And mm-hmm. I've evolved from that chapter of the business. And it's evolved exactly the way that I wanted it to, to be honest with you. And like 2021, according to this plan, is going to be like a huge year for me. So, And I knew that back then, that I needed like five years to do one thing and then another five years to do the other thing. And here we are, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's changed that much because I've always wanted to be unconventional. I've always wanted to be a leader. Those things have not changed, so. Totally, okay, so for the,
1: for the millions <laughs> of fans I have at home, listening could you kind of give a a core rundown of your business and what sets you apart in terms of the average personal trainer or fitness mm-hmm. gym 'Cause you do a very mm-hmm. different approach. I mean, you know, not radically different in terms of the results, but just it comes off as being much more isolated in terms of like your focus in different mm-hmm. muscle groups, but I'm sure you can speak mm-hmm. about it better. So um, yeah.
0: the main thing that I do, I have my own skill set, right? I do have a unique perspective on fitness. So my business, my studio. My brand is called Impact Your Fitness. It provides service. It's called Holistic Injury Care and Performance Wellness. So we've pretty much been athlete-focused since day one. And we use muscle activation techniques, which is what I do. And I have the highest certification out there for it. So I apply muscle activation techniques at the most like precise and high level that there is. And that gives me access to like professional athletes. You know, I have a waiting list of a couple months to, come, to get an appointment with me. And then we also have a muscle activation-based fitness. And that is very unique um, because it is, you know, trying to focus on movement in a very precise way. So I'll get into that in a second. And then we also have Pilates. We have a active recovery portion of our business that's not operating right now because of COVID. But then we also have an online virtual portion, which is to teach people how to really have a focused approach in their workout so muscle activation techniques it fixes imbalances all over the body so it's and which is different than physical therapy which is actually sorry we also offer physical therapy at the studio from another person i don't uh, another gen actually And so physical therapy, you have a a defined chronic or acute injury, right? And you have to work with the tissue in a very delicate way or not delicate, in a a very precise way to elicit a healing response. Mm -hmm. What we do in muscle activation techniques is bridge the gap between that and full body performance and elevated performance. MAT, we are working holistically through the body to rectify muscle imbalances that could create injury, that could create tightness, that could create bad recovery. So when a client works with me for a number, a couple sessions, they have improved recovery, they feel better, they might even have better posture and they're moving better. So, and in the studio throughout, we grade and focus on motion in three ways. We help people, we look at how people start motion control motion and sustain motion. And I can dial it down to a few muscles for each of those things. And so improving those things is actually working with the brain and the nervous system and the virtual map of the body, how we perceive gravity and gravitational external forces around the body or in our environment. And it is so fucking cool. And it has, it surprises me every day. And that's why I have a podcast (laughs) because like, I can't (laughs) talk about how cool it is and not necessarily muscle activation techniques, but seeing changes every single day that would really surprise a lot of orthopedic doctors would surprise people that have arthritis because they don't have an idea of what's possible. So, they don't really go after it. I can definitely go down the rabbit hole on injuries and like pain. Neuroscience is something I specialize in. And that's the stuff that I talk about on the podcast, which is like, what are the possibilities? What do you have in your toolbox that makes you an exercise professional? Because, like, that's where I think the biggest gap is between me and the rest of the fitness industry is that I define myself as a professional. I don't define myself by, I don't know, the external validation that the fitness industry loves to reward, you know? I think that sums it up. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's that's amazing. I mean, you seem like you cover so much ground. You mm-hmm. do so much.
1: And it definitely shows, obviously, like in your business and in what you do, When I look at your content and I have listened to some of your episodes, I mean, you get very technical. You're very specific. It seems much more like what you were saying, Mm -hmm. science-oriented. And unfortunately so, when you work at a gym or you're working at a fitness facility, the qualifications that you need are not, like, super high. You know, I have... A Mm -hmm. certification, you go through different kettlebell trainings or, you know, things like that. And depending on your sport and depending on your specificity that you kind of go into, you do end up referring Mm -hmm. out so much. And even when you refer out, let's say you like refer them to a physical therapist, which is something you say that you include. Even depending on that physical therapist, sometimes they kind of, they Mm -hmm. don't do as much either. You know, I've been to physical therapy for a running injury and I learned so much more on my own than even going there. But I'm sure you know this, like I'm, you know, way more than I do in, in this realm. But anytime I've had a client that has like some type of movement that bothers them or they think that they can't do something. You know, you always look mm-hmm. below and you look above and, okay, you feel like you can't run. For example, we should probably check out your hips. We should check out your ankles, your mobility, things like that. So you mentioned that you work with a lot of mm-hmm. athletes. Is that the bulk of
0: your uh, clientele? Um, pretty much. But so first of all, just by you saying the above and below, like is is more evolved. Than the I'd say 80% of trainers. So kudos, right? And like, and, no. and for you to like sit back and listen and ask questions also, um, very Sagittarius and very great. Like it is it's just such a beautiful thing to be able to ask questions in our industry instead of being told what oh. to do and just accepting that someone else's program is gonna help. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many blind yeah. followers in this industry. That is one of my soapboxes for sure. Do I work mainly with athletes? Yeah, um, <laughs> and yes. you know, yeah, I no, you know, and great. I define athletic inspiration. Um, you know, it's it's broad, but I think you know, people that have an aspiration to treat their body as an athlete, it, they're also athletes. You know what I mean? Like people who have goals that are performance bound you know, whether that be a run, whether that be, you know, actually making a team or a time, those are all athletes to me. And that runs across genders, age, you know, age segments and whatnot. Yeah, I really started my business with an athlete, with athletes, with female athletes in particular, and, you know, to remedy something that I experienced. And I really felt that female athletes are just like one of the most beautiful representations of a modern warrior that we have. And I, have you know, I grew up as an athlete and going to, you know, PT and having surgeries. That's how, I, you know, I started my career in that space. And so I've always just had a really good connection with athletes. Right now, most of my clientele are golfers. Um, and football players. <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love I love both sports. I don't watch that much football, but I love um, the athlete and I've had a really great experience to be able to work with um, some of the best in the country, some of the best athletes in the world And well, one of the places I've been able to do that is at a combine training facility in Florida. And if it weren't COVID, I mean, I'm still thinking about it if it's safer by then, but I don't know if it will be in February to go down to Miami and do muscle activation techniques with a class of combine NFL athletes that are stationed there for like 10 weeks or whatever or In a normal year, I don't know what's happening now. You know, being able to immerse myself in that world as a student and a practitioner is also, you know, another really fucking cool thing that this work has given me access to. But yeah, I mean, some of my clients are just, you know, they're athletes because they think of themselves that way.
1: Yeah, I totally get that. That's almost how I view myself. Like, I don't have a single (laughs) competition under my belt. I don't have a single medal of any sort but I would definitely consider myself an athlete based on the mindset, the regimen, the schedule, the amount of years, things like that. But so interesting, like you're mentioning so many different things and I'm like, oh, I have so many (laughs) different questions. But one thing that sticks out to me, and that is just literally because it pertains to my life right now, so Uh I'm just going to live in the moment, is the Pilates that you referenced Mm -hmm. like way earlier. So I'll give a little backstory. Before, you know, covid i was considering doing some prepping and was considering doing a bikini competition and you know i was kind of getting prepared for that i had done a bulking season i was like starting down starting to slowly shred Mm -hmm. down yada yada i was very comfortable with the amount of weight i was squatting and this is actually something that I have not mentioned on the podcast. Mm, Oh, good. The reveal. This will be fun. Um, (laughs) Yes, the reveal. And I was hitting my PRs and I was able to sustain them as I was cutting down. So I was really happy about that. Right before COVID hit, I kind of decided, or, you know, not kind of, I decided I wasn't going to prep anymore. I had a breakthrough mentally that I. Wasn't sure that it aligned with my values Mm -hmm. anymore and not to like throw shade at at Mm -hmm. that competing world, but it just didn't really align. However, I decided to hit the squat rack again, you know, slow start, but I don't know what happened between, you know, COVID and me starting now, but pretty much after like two weeks and I was saying I was doing really lightweight, like I was just using the bar. So I was hitting 170 squats Mm -hmm. before COVID. After COVID, I just use a 45 bar. Then I put tens on. You know, really started slow because I was kind of nervous. I cannot squat without discomfort mm. now. Like any any type. Like even if the bar is like with 10 pounds on each mm. side. So like you know.
0: So uh, so I
1: found it, I found it yeah. so interesting.
0: So you do you want to talk through Coming that from? Well, yeah. Well, so
1: okay. I'll, I'll wrap it up in a second. But basically, my left yeah my mm. left hip. And I didn't stop exercising. So throughout all this quarantine, I was doing hip thrusts. I was actually still squatting with a kettlebell. I was running, like I was really active. And since I've been heading back to the gym, so since I guess it's been like three months now, I've been doing pretty much everything Mm -hmm. but squatting. I squat just my body weight. Um, I've been doing everything else loving how I look so I'm almost (laughs) like Mm -hmm. not (laughs) rushing back to the bar because I think I look fine and I and I'm liking the muscular development I have I still feel pretty strong but it's gotten me to the point where I'm getting my Pilates certification tomorrow so that was kind of the whole the whole roundabout story was I was like maybe I know it's a hip thing But I also feel like Pilates for me has been real slow concentration Mm -hmm. movements. And well, maybe this certification is going to help me, you know, double down on what's going on with, Mm -hmm. you know, this slowing down the movements. But yes, I would love to get your feedback. And that was kind Mm -hmm. of my whole spiel and reveal to say, I'm not really sure what's going on but I know that it's
0: Mm. something. (laughs) Um, Okay. So that's interesting. Um, So you can hip thrust and how many, what's your like scheme? Like how many reps sets are you doing of that?
1: I heavy dose. I would say I would be able to do like 225 hip thrust for like three sets with four. That's if I was going like super heavy and minimal movements. So what I usually do is more like 200 to 10, eight reps of four, uh-huh. mm-hmm. something around that, you know, give or take on the day, on the, our, you know, my uh-huh. energy.
0: Okay. So the thing I always start with when I'm assessing people is what does their rather their gross movement look like? What is their posture? And that means like starting position. I don't like judge people's posture. Posture is just like where you spend the most time and finding out if there's something that could be inefficient up the chain or down the chain. And That's the first thing, and then the second thing I would work through is blood flow to the nerves. And because this happens when the barbell is on your back and not, and you're going against gravity in like a standing position, versus like your gravity and the barbell in a lying position. That's interesting. So that's kind of how I think of it. You know, is there an issue with blood flow to that area that's caused by something mechanical? Structure roll. <laughs> <laughs> or you know or is it something to do with a you know muscle tissue injury I doubt it's the third one because you're a you're so functional and doing all this other stuff so that's where I would start is like thorough like nerve assessment and the technique that is done for that is called neurodynamic I Learned that about two and a half years ago I think and it really changed the way that I saw the body because I don't think tight muscles exist yeah, oh, that's very interesting. I think okay. that tight muscles are a sensation based on a lack of oxygen or blood flow. So the nerves and this is, I explain this to my clients just like this, because I think education about the neuroscience and the nerves is so powerful and empowering for people to understand how to operate their system, their body. So the muscles have only two percent of a stretch of in them. And one of the ways they know that is they've taken cadaver muscles and stretched the living, w- the anything. They stretch the crap out of them. And you can build mathematical models of the tensile strength of tissue, of muscle. And based on that, muscle is more tensile, meaning like Velcro, than it is elastic. Muscle would be more like a leather belt or Velcro. And I like velcro because it actually explains cross bridging you know what i mean like the more cross bridging there is the more tense tension that's coming from the muscle or building in the muscle to move something i think that is just so cool no and then on the other side of the tissue continuum is tendons and tendons have a lot more stretch in them than a muscle but not a whole lot like not much not as much as the nerves so the tendons i think are more in the like my memory is not perfect here. I think they're more in like the 5 to 9% range of stretch. And that's because tendons mm-hmm. collect energy and they release energy. That's what the Achilles tendon does. That's what the IT band does. Then we have the nerves. The nerves stretch up to 20%. That's a lot. So now think of the nerves as a hose. And what happens when you step on a hose? It doesn't work. It blocks. Mm-hmm. It gets constricted. And I think that's what happens with a quote unquote, tight muscle. Yeah. Okay. So almost like an overstretch
1: of something can also break the connection, the nerve connection. The nerve
0: nerve needs the set. Yeah. The sensation of tightness, the nerve needs oxygen and blood flow. When it doesn't get that it starts screaming at you. That's my hypothesis. So there mm-hmm. is no tight muscle per se and if there is a knot or something like that, I think that is a function of the immune system and not the muscle. Because the immune system okay. and, the ner- so, and the muscles and the nerves, nervous system are very much intertwined and people don't really know that. So to give like the
1: listeners kind mm-hmm. of like a scene, let's say we have some tight or what I perceive as tight mm-hmm. hamstrings and I start foam rolling or I start Doing, you know, some walkouts and I and I do some movement stretch or even mm-hmm. stagnant stretching. And then I feel like they're What also people say, like warmed Mm -hmm. up or like loosened up. So basically, what you're saying is that that is just releasing the blood flow to the nerves to then feel feel your muscle more. It's not actually loosening anything. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think so. And I think foam rolling has been it's been proven to help with blood flow. It's also been proven to have an analgesic effect, which is you know a release of pain, a a decrease in pain. Mm And I've seen studies where they, you have a, your left calf is really tight or uh, painful or irritated to the touch. And then you foam roll the right calf. You can get a release increase in pain on the left calf in this study because it kind of releases some anagelic chemicals in your body. Cause your body, your brain is a medicine cabinet. Your brain has, you know, the opioids in it and movement and oxygen can release those things. You know, it's just a simple like, yeah, it can kind of turn on that system. I just don't know how much you're going to gain from doing that before you work out versus like just doing it on your own time, like away from your strength-based work. When right. people do have those routines, I just make sure the timing of them is right. Because I the last thing I want to do is tell people to do something that I think is going to impinge on the quality of their exercise. And foam rolling, I think one of the main perceived benefits is that it actually increases your pain threshold, which might oh, not be a good thing before you exercise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, but back to you. So I would basically look at how the sciatic nerves for moral are aligned. And honestly, you can, it's something you can do on your own. It'll take five minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. i gonna have to Google <laughs> this later. So I will say one or two
1: things, and this could definitely be wrong. <laughs> But I always heard about the about the foam rolling thing. And this is also pretense. I almost never foam roll before I work out. I've always kind of, I do it, but it's almost always after. And it's only like when I feel, you know, that quote unquote, like tightness or like kind of I'm like, I probably should, you know, mm-hmm. do something here. But I always was told at least that it was to loosen up the fascia that was around our muscles, that netting mm-hmm. or whatever beforehand and then after. Don't even know if that's right, but do you have thoughts If it's on
0: that? Uh, doing what before or after? So it was supposed to be uh, warming oh. up the fascia. Yeah, that's what I was I, you know, felt. I think the science on fascia, the mo- the popular opinions on fascia are just wrong. That's my opinion, and my opinion is based on actually spending time on cadavers and dissecting cadavers. One of the highlights of my career is was actually dissecting a cadaver. It is the cool, so cool. (laughs) Yeah, as a dominant Scorpio, you should be you. You got to find yourself a way into that cadaver lab because it will teach you so much about the human body. You know.
1: Yes. Yeah. I would love that. I think um, if I were to start over Uh sometimes, I would go
0: into Mm -hmm. like surgery
1: (laughs) because I just love looking at the internal
0: yeah. things and I, and I don't get creeped out. It's by it, honestly so. <laughs> seeing the the specimen, the human body void of the soul is one of the most religious things mm-hmm. I've ever encountered. Like it is yeah. so incredibly moving to see what's below the surface. And it really changed my, pers- it really cemented my perspective that the body is so electrical And so like energy based and that's after being in a lab and seeing that. So what I mean by the fascia, not really being able, I don't know if you can warm up the fascia. I don't know. I don't know if you can manipulate the fluid moving through the fascia. When you see it on the muscle and how it's not separate at all, any claim of somebody being able to target fascia becomes complete bullshit. That, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. I love it
1: when people have strong opinions about stuff that I'm like, I don't even know if that's yeah. true. Like, <laughs> so I I just love hearing stuff like that because it's one of those things that I was told hated, hated regurgitating mm these blatant facts to my clients when I was like you know I just don't really know you know like it it never settled well Mm -hmm. with me you know and when you go against the quote-unquote beaten path when you like kind of don't do something that you're supposed to do like let's say foam roll before a workout or do five minutes of this or whatever people are asking you why and basically your reasoning why is because like well Mm -hmm. why should we and then you have people like you that actually know why maybe why you shouldn't mm-hmm. I, I love that that's like what I I need to know more of so this is kind of wrench uh-huh. question that is because you mentioned energy this is also kind of more of a personal uh, mm-hmm. story I guess since we're just talking about all of my yeah, no, that's I mean that, I say that all the time <laughs> on my
0: podcast I'm like okay let's back up because this is actually yeah. about me <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I've like also come to realize because I'm very much a believer of the the soul connection, the spiritual connection, the physical connection of the body and you see the most results when you hit every point of that. That's a hard discussion to have with everybody when people have, you know, certain beliefs or mm. something like that, but I think it's really important. I find that the most success I have when I'm trying to lean out, bulk up, create muscle It's all about the mind. We talk about it in mind to muscle connection, but then Mm
0: -hmm. it stops there. Mm -hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Like any type of more when you go into like the spiritual realm, stressors that might be inhibiting you to have success. It's like all of a sudden it becomes Mm. too woo woo. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, But I realized that, you know, once again, it was kind of an aha moment when I had this injury, but I was really able to hone in, you know, lose some weight that I was trying to lose. I was able to create some runs and I was taking it back to different chakras. Mm. And I realized that when I was releasing throat chakra and I was releasing and helping some of my root Mm. chakra, I was able to all of a sudden, well, you know, I don't like saying all of a sudden but it felt that way to have such an ease in releasing weight that felt extra to me you know I don't like talking about numbers when it comes to weight but the for me it felt comfortable releasing that excess I guess that felt like it was on me Mm. when it comes to this injury do you ever if you seem like kind of into this energy and healing mm-hmm. ideas, do you ever talk about that,
0: dive into that side of things? Yeah, definitely. Stuff? I'm very into that stuff. And I I get cool. Yeah, I get that <laughs> question often from my colleagues. They're like, "How are you so academic, science-based and talking about hypnosis and talking about the chakras?" I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry. I just think we it's a more metaphysical. You know, like that's just how I see the world." Yes, I love <laughs> that. Me too. And, (laughs) And honestly, I'm biased to one way because I honestly, I feel sorry for people that don't see the connection of the emotional and physical body. You know, I think that's an injustice that the fitness industry has perpetuated into our culture. My solution for that, this has been such a journey. Me honestly, like spirituality has always been something very comfortable for me, is because of the way I was raised, and also like I caught on to having a psychic ability pretty early on, and I just was never afraid to say, you know, what I was seeing and sensing. But my adult solution to that was uh, I have a certification in pain neuroscience education, and it's through the evidence in motion group. So I'll give you a link to that for the show notes. Some of the most important work of the next couple decades, in my opinion, for chronic pain. And that's because there is real science behind something something called the pain neuromatrix. And it explains that our brain, our body, our emotions are the physical body, the emotional body, the spiritual body are not separate. They're talking to each other all the time and it explains it to people. That's the whole goal of pain neuroscience education is to explain that to people is to is to say, hey, your grandma dying and your running injury aren't separate. Your divorce and your shoulder injury, your heartache and your shoulder injury are not separate. In fact, they're right next to each other. (laughs) Um, So would you
1: think that the emotional trauma of something were to then create the muscular? Or do you think it is just
0: side by side? I mean, hey, if if the teeth grinding and it doesn't keep you up and it keeps you up at night, doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like. Uh, you know, how can how so let's 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 go back to something really foundational about stress, which is breath mm-hmm. and stress causes really imbalanced breath patterns. It increases the amount of breaths that you take per minute. Right. And that can create muscle imbalance that by itself can create a low back disk injury. That can create a pelvic floor dysfunction. That itself can create a shoulder injury if it's done long enough. So, you know, to me, it's, you know, I I say it that blatantly to people. If they don't if they don't buy into this, they're not a good client for me, and I am not afraid to say that. Younger trainers are listening to this, do not be afraid to say no if somebody does not vibe with you. And if someone doesn't understand that, I have a referral for them. I have multiple referrals for them probably. I regularly send out for hypnosis. I regularly send people out for um, pain neuroscience education. If I can't provide it, I mean, I do a little bit, but I know people that specialize in it. I know pe- if they don't buy into that, I can send you to someone who's going to charge you $3,000 for blood work. That'll show you how high your inflammation is. And totally. if you don't buy into the fact that your inflammation is like sucking the soul out of your physical body, again, I, like, I feel bad for you. I'm not going to extend my circle and my care and my energy to someone that doesn't buy into some type of holistic, you know, the bodies, uh, the emotional physical, spiritual body being, you know, one. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I
1: mean, it's a very sacred space when you're giving your time and energy into something that you really love and is literally composing out of all of us. And I feel so I don't love the industry, the classic large company industry, because I think it is ignoring so much. And I just find it extremely difficult to have a client, kind of what you're saying, and ignore their eating habits, their sleeping habits, their stress, like all these other things. Mm -hmm. I I also want to say like fakeness that I can help by pinpointing this one thing. Like, sure, I might be able to help a little bit, but it's only going to go so far until we look at something as like a whole. The pivot that I've been making is to have more open discussions and to play into the wellness industry in a different way, still figuring it out, mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> mm-hmm. almost corrupt way of helping quote unquote clients being like, let's give you this workout plan. And yeah, like, are you eating your two egg whites in the morning? Are you drinking your shake? You're fine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, well, basically
0: (laughs) that was my soapbox, but (laughs) yeah. Oh no, I mean, I just want to congratulate you. I'm so excited for you because it's just like amazing to recognize that and be a part of place in the fitness industry. That's going to evolve, you know, because I think most of the trainers out there are practicing malfeasance and and malpractice because they're promising shit. They don't know shit about it's an honor to share that there's another part of this industry. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I'm just so happy to, you know, be with you on that journey as well. Let's give the
1: example of like powerlifting. To mm-hmm. me that's not a sport that has longevity in mind. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? That's mm-hmm. not something to help you in your old age. <laughs> right. However, if you know the information of that's not the most muscular enduring sport but you choose to do it anyway great that's fine same with like football in terms of like head injuries mm-hmm. however to me what the problem is is that people don't know and then they do it mm-hmm. so i guess it and it's that, it's that fine line of like where is that discussion being held how can you maintain your drive for a sport with also knowing the side effects and I wish that that was a discussion that was being held more with people in general. Not that that's like the average person, but for those athletic, you know.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, hey, zero to to 50 in this industry, just doing three months of anything consistently fitness wise when you're at zero, do it, man. Just do it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. But when you're when you're fine tuning and like wanting longevity, you got to change that script. You got to change your mentality. You got to grow. You got to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's how I see it. But you know, competitiveness and pushing yourself is actually good for us. You know, mm-hmm. our result. Yeah, we have to push through in uncomfortable situations to get better. There's definitely a place for it. But it's like holding space when it is the right time. That's the art. You know, and communicating. That's the art. The short answer to that is. We need systems thinking in our exercise and our healthy living.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's tough for people, for the average population who's like, oh, I got 45 minutes and I don't have time to do all this research. And in that case, many of those people don't want to hire a professional when they should, but then if they do, they don't always go to the right one. So mm. it is a an industry that is growing so much, which makes me so happy that people are getting more healthy and becoming more fit. Women are more inclined to do weights However, Mm. it's also an industry that because it's growing so quickly, unfortunately, it's also not being constructed in the best way. I don't think that I am at the point that I should, I guess I would be or would want to be in terms of like the science. Mm -hmm. And that's why I would always say like, know your place, know, know where you are, don't be ashamed of it so that you don't overclaim, because that's like the worst thing that you could you could do which is why you were even mentioning like malpractice situations mm-hmm. would, you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i just wish people instead of being so ego driven and being like why well, i look like this and i could get you here know what you can do for someone be like i know these exercises um however it looks like you have a movement pattern issue i wish that people were so much more able to put their ego aside because Mm -hmm. that's how people have the longevity. I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up and thank you so much for so much information. And I have so much to Google and learn, and I'm sure everyone listening does as well. Mm -hmm. And thank you for some of the information about my hip. I'm gonna have to send you some pictures or something of what I'm talking about. Okay, sure. Yeah. (laughs) But besides fitness, how do you ground yourself in your day-to-day life and
0: currently in 2020? Hmm. Well, I have a wonderful partner. My he is my he is my home, my rock, my comfort zone. And he is very good for me that way. So that's one, having a just a fabulous wonderful loving partner. <clears throat> Number 2 is, you know, I do I do I do very much have a coach. I combine the spiritual with my business and my podcast and my voice. That's the big thing for me. The more money I spend on self development, the more money I make. So, so I think that's the big one for so the people in the yeah. back. Yeah, I think that's the. I think I think that's the answer. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. But thank you so much. I mean, this was truly so
1: fascinating. I feel so lucky to have spoken to you, and I feel like we mm-hmm. could have taken this conversation in so many different directions. So totally, it was amazing.